0: Hello, everyone. What's up, daisies? You are listening to the Mother Days. I am one of your hosts, Teresa Palmer.
1: And I am the other host, Sarah Wright Olson. Hi,
0: everyone. (laughs) Hi. She's got her husky, sexy voice on again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, I'm going to sound so much better today. Um, I actually don't, I might even sound worse, but. (laughs) I feel better, which is really important. So we recorded
0: an episode yesterday with um, Melinda Mindy Clark, and um, every like thirty seconds, you'd hear this little sniffle. This like. <laughs> 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 Poor
1: thing. I know I was like I oh I really feeling. really hope they can cut my part of the recording out of there when I'm sniffing I tried so hard to wait to blow my nose till the very very end because I was oh. like I can't figure out where to mute myself <laughs> and then I was like so I just sat here going like okay I'll blow my nose when we're done I'll blow as we're oh, done <laughs> and then there's like the
0: drip just hanging there and you know yeah. you're like oh no, it's if I go. had the drip if I had the drip <laughs> it would not that would not have been okay. Um, so no. Oh. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. Think of all that cash back on those overpriced kombuchas. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today that future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cashback credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cashback? As with all cars, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Um, hey guys, we hope you're all doing well out there, wherever you are, in your car, running around <laughs> the lake with your baby in the jogger. Uh, I don't know. Where, um, where do people listen to this? Folding laundry.
1: That's my... Yes. I always say folding laundry because um, I feel like... The laundry just continues to pile up in the house at our house. Like it just doesn't. It just gets higher and higher and higher. And I literally look at it and I'm like, oh, like I'm gonna do that later, okay? I got it. I've got 15 other things I have to do, and I put laundry off to the last. And then when it gets so massive, and I pull it out to the um, couch, and then I start folding, and I'm like, this is gonna, this is for sure gonna take like two hours. (laughs) So
0: I put out. the podcast. The it is, do you know that is one of my favorite things to do is to fold laundry? To like, yeah, to put on a podcast and yes. do laundry. Because in my household, I was just counting how many people are in my household right now. There are nine <laughs> nine people living yeah, in my house insane. right now. So my cousin is visiting from Australia right now. So I have my 24-year-old cousin. I have my wow. mom. I have my five kids. So I have a teenager with wow. all his teenage clothes. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, and then Bodie, Forest, Poet, yeah. Prairie, Mark, yeah. and I. <laughs> and it means – so we don't have a laundry chute or anything, but – we are houses over three levels, but the laundry is at the very bottom. Oh, so gosh. we will just say, I will grab everyone's hampers and just literally throw it over the banister Stop and it. drop it down to the bottom floor. <laughs> and then there's just always this massive pile on the bottom floor in the basement that ready for me to sift through. Insanity. I know. But if I don't do washing, <laughs> every day at oh, yeah. least three loads a day
1: yeah. oh wow
0: I will never catch up I will actually just never yeah. catch up
1: yeah it does it's pile insane. up it is crazy have you ever accidentally <laughs> have you ever accidentally found um that there was a diaper in the laundry like like the the toddler puts a diaper in the hamper and then it ends up in the washing machine and fully disintegrates and becomes this absolute chaos in your washing machine if anybody's ever done that please let me know because it happened to us not once but twice oh god it basically ruins your washing machine it's like everything that was inside of a diaper explodes oh my god (laughs) and it's everywhere and it is so when it happened to me the first time it was uh obviously I didn't put the diaper in there like somebody like you know one of the kids took it off with their pants and then put it in the laundry and then (laughs) I'm just like throwing the laundry in but I saw and all the clothes are covered in like this material that's inside the the diapers. yes so then you have to take all the clothes outside and like beat them and get the crystals off and like
0: it is so labor intense (laughs) it's so annoying it's I picked forest up from school yesterday and he's just like my he's his name is perfect for him because he's like one with the forest yeah and he um my kids go to this school and there's just tons of acreage so they're always doing outdoor school so I picked him up and I had just I'd made the mistake of giving him his like fluffy jacket to wear Oh yeah yes I picked him up. There was like full <laughs> branches <Bridges>. and <laughs> leaves and so many oh prickles and things all stuck in That'll the fluff. That'll take a half
1: hour to get it all took of that out. so yes.
0: long. And my uh-huh. mum's like, just put it in the washing machine. I was like, like no. No, because then that comes off and goes on everyone else's clothes. So That's I'm out right. there like one by one picking yes. these little tiny sticks of it. I was like, never again. Why did yeah, I do that?
1: Why that's did I no do that? By the way, you're talking about forest and it reminded me, I'm watching this um, docu-series right now called Limitless. Is anybody watching that with Chris Hemsworth? Um, no, I've heard of it though. It is so good. And I'm watching the episode right now on memory. And she's there's um, a doctor on there who's talking about how, like being out in the forest or in wilderness and um, just talking about like the way that you're you have you know some of your kids like really love just being outside and being crazy mm-hmm. in the wild and everything but it t- it activates a different part of your brain and we feel so good when we're in nature right like you go we out into do. nature and she says if you can just every day put your phone away and like go on a walk and be outside like walk through the park or like whatever don't check your phone like don't don't engage that part of your brain where you're like looking at your phone, but just allow your senses to be opened by what's around you and listening. And like, um, it is so good for your brain and for your long-term, oh. your your memory. And um, it's it was incredible. I mean, I no love I love this um series because I'm just learning so much about uh some of the things I'm fascinated by in health in general. Yeah, and he so, does he
0: play himself. So it's him oh, as no, Chris it's Hemsworth a, doing. It's a, yeah, it's a doing different so, things, exploring well, different yeah, aspects of life.
1: Yes, and he's exploring this part of his um, health because he gets uh, somewhere in the show, and I don't want to like ruin it for anybody if you guys want to go and watch it, but he does get some really intense uh, results from um, his, like, blood work and finds out that he has two copies of this gene that could cause something later on in life for him. So there's steps that he can take now to help uh, prevent that or to sort of, like, bring his... Um, percentage of him getting that disease down Why? and so but yeah it's fascinating um, but anyway just thinking about Forrest like love you said like he loves to be out and that's perfect for his name he loves yeah. to be in nature but it's just so good for us and it made me think I, we need to do that more. Like we're we just inside our home so mm-hmm. much and we're running to school and doing all these things. Like we really need to ground ourselves more. In, yeah. I in feel like outside. in LA,
0: I'm not outdoors as much. I am I know, in Australia. Yes. But like, especially now that we have this house and it's like my dream house, I'm always just like in the house, I'm yes. in the house or I'm in my car because I've been dealing with my own levels of safety anxiety, Interesting. I, it was triggered by um, this situation that happened at the local supermarket about four years ago mm-hmm. and there was um, a gunman at the local supermarket that, I, and I was meant to be there that day. And ever since that happened... I've been dealing with, which is why I thank God we are interviewing Cheryl today because she's going to be able to help me move through my trauma. But (laughs) I have definitely taken on board this safety anxiety when I'm in America. And then when I'm in Australia, nothing. I feel like this weights off my shoulders. I I go out, I do whatever. But I've been saying to Mark, I'm finding that I even dreamt about it last night. Mm. And um, I'm finding that I need to clear it because I'm spending so much time inside my house. Worrying about it. Yeah, whereas I'm not even worrying about it. When I'm at the house, I feel fine. It's the moment I go out to – I went to CVS today to buy like a couple of Christmas things, and I'm looking around. I've just – I can feel myself start to get on edge. Yeah. And it's something I need to take a look at.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, it's – I mean, it makes a lot of sense here because of just how much – Violence that we do have and it makes sense that you're like being triggered, especially by something that happened, you know, in a few years ago. So it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, it's been a
0: bit debilitating, I have to say, yeah, but I'm so happy just being a homebody. But I'm realizing that it isn't actually sustainable because I'm sort of saying no to a lot of the things that I used to do here in LA. Yes. And so I know it's something that I've got to move through. And this is actually the perfect segue to intro today's brilliant guest who I've been so excited to have on the show Yay! for so long. <laughs> so today we are interviewing Cheryl Nouville etienne Cheryl! Hi! And she's the most divine human being, um, a student midwife, mama of one beautiful little girl called Naomi. Oh my gosh. She is so striking. She's got this inner radiance. Yeah. But then she's just so divine and so beautiful. And she's just like this glowing little old soul in all of her photos. I just am so captivated by her. Yeah. She's so special. (laughs) And actually, that is how I found you. So you were suggested in you know on Instagram how (laughs) they like say, This is for you, like this is a post that you would love. There was this photo of you and your daughter, and I just could not stop staring at the both of you. And I was like, they're just so good. They're just filled with goodness and heart and they're so amazing. There's there's just something about them. And then I started following you and reading everything. And I was like, of course she's a birth worker. (laughs) Of course she's a doula. Like this all makes sense. And this is why I think the universe sort of brought our lives together, which has been so lovely. So thank you so much for joining us today on the mother Day. Thank you so
2: much. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I look up to both of you so much the work you do for the birth community is incredible. It's necessary. So, I mean, I love the Zen Mama. I send that to all of my clients. I'm like, you guys this. If you want an intentional birth, <laughs> you want to be able to open up and... So, um, yeah, you both are doing incredible work. It's an honor to be here today. So thank you for having me. Uh,
1: thank you so much. I was doing a deep dive reading your story. And um, there's just so much there. And it's so beautiful. And your journey has been really profound. And mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, just the importance. We talk about this all the time on um on here but in our book we talked about how important it is to really advocate for yourself in healthcare and and the birth that you want to be informed and to understand like what you can have and what your you know needs are and so i love that you're amplifying that and that that's something that you're really focused on and yes. um i would love to hear your story of how you got started in all of this yes. Um, how how this all came to be, because I was also reading about you working in Uganda. So mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. tell us a bit about, um, a- about how you got here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to start off, I definitely didn't intend on going the route of a birth worker as a student midwife. It um, kind of just came to me before I understood what downloads were and just like signs from the universe. I was a dance major and I loved dance. I mean, since I was young, that was my way of expressing myself. I had a really difficult time uh, communicating as a child just due to certain traumas that happened in my life. And so dance was the only way I felt like I could speak to people and I just was able to use my body in that way. So it's always been very sacred to me. But around my junior year in college, I was kind of feeling stuck. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do afterwards. Do I want to teach dance? Do I want to go with the company? And I was like, maybe I want to do something else because I really want to be able to help women. And I love the idea of our bodies and what all we can do, the way we can expand, literally expand. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to explore that more. So I remember I was just in my room one night and I was like, let me Google a midwife And at that moment, (laughs) I was like, I don't know what midwife is. So I Googled midwife and my mom had called me right at that moment. And she knew I was between majors and trying to figure out my my journey. And she called me at that moment. And just the background of my mother, my parents are from Liberia. And um, my mom did all natural births while she was in Liberia. And she calls me and she was like, have you ever thought about being a midwife? And I was like, where are the cameras? No. Like, what? How did you know? I was just oh, what? that. Yes. Download from
0: like, the universe right absolutely. there. Absolutely.
2: It was definitely a download. So then I was like, I'm literally looking at a Google right now. And I just researched what, what a midwife was. And she was like, well, we have many midwives in our family. Your great grandmother delivered your older siblings. She was the wow. village midwife. And so I was like, okay, this is a sign. Maybe I need to follow this. And so I applied for a program uh, a few months later, and it took me to Uganda. And while I was there, I was just in a really small clinic, and I was just helping the midwives, just shadowing them. I wasn't planning on doing anything, just watching them and seeing if that was what I wanted to do. And I remember my first birth experience I think cemented this for me and I just knew okay Uh this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life but I remember um, two women were in labor at the same time and the labor suit was very small it was a metal it had metal walls or cement walls I remember with a metal door it was extremely small and two women were laboring at the same time and the midwives had gone to lunch so they were like okay just like you know monitor them stay around make sure everything's okay (laughs) okay you're like what? (laughs) what? And they had already talked to me. They're like, okay, you're going to be able to check the baby's vitals once the baby's born. So I was like, oh, great. So I'll just monitor them while they're off at lunch. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at the APGAR score card, like trying to remember what the Mm -hmm. APGAR score was. And for those that aren't familiar, APGAR score is um, a score used to determine the baby's um, kind of health and activity in the first few minutes of birth. So I was like, okay, I want to make sure I know that's right, so that way I know what's going on when this baby is born. And I remember looking at this wall, reading it, and then I heard a gush of water, and I was like, <laughs> so I turn oh. around, and this woman is crowning, like I'm seeing the oh. head coming out. What? And the power went out.
0: Oh no, my gosh!
2: Time the power went out, and it started to rain like thunderstorm. <gasps> Stop! I'm like, oh my goodness! And I was like, don't move, just don't move. And I can't speak to her in Luganda, which was the language she spoke. So I had to go run and get the midwife. So I'm running in the rain, you know, through the compound, and I'm running past chickens, (gasps) and trying to go (sighs) find these midwives. And they're just like eating their food, and I'm like, there's there's a head, and there's there's. (laughs) I was like, yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: meconium, yeah. Oh no.
2: So then they drop everything. We're all running back to the labor suite. And I put on sterile gloves because they said, okay, once, you know, I already told you this before. So I put on my gloves and I'm just waiting for them to do their thing. And they're looking around for gloves. And I had taken the last pair of gloves (laughs) and, um, you know, they had very minimal resources. And so I was like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? And they're like, well, you're going to have to deliver this baby because you're the only one." To have. Stop it. Yeah. <gasps> so they walked me through it. And I just remember them putting a gown on me and I'm just standing like cold stone. I'm like, oh my is- gosh, what's oh, happening? And it's raining and dark. And I just remember going up to this woman and a message came into my mind. You do not have to hold fear. You can be Aww. her comfort. And Aww. so I was like, wow, that's really beautiful. And I just remember someone taking over my body, specifically my hands. And it was, it didn't feel like me. It felt so natural. Like I had done this before, but the baby came out so fast. So I remember the head being born and the head turns a little bit right after it's born. And I just remember supporting the head and then delivering the shoulder. And it was just, it was natural for me. It just kind of easily fell into place. And I put the baby on the mother's chest and just let the, the baby stay there. And I I don't know, in that moment, I felt like somebody else had taken over. The midwives had completely wow. stepped back at this point. So they were just watching me like, have you done this before? And I was like, no, I've never done this before. But now looking back, I'm like, that was clearly my great grandmother yeah. who took it. Oh I've been receiving for years now. And so that was my first birth experience. And I just knew, okay, this is what I wanted to do with my life. Um, oh. And I just remember after the baby was delivered, um, I took the gloves off and they were kind of doing their thing with the mother. And I stepped out into the rain and I just let the rain hit my face and my body. Oh. And I just said a prayer and I was just like, this is it. This is it. Oh my God. There's no going back. And my husband, who was just a friend at the time, had stopped by that maternity ward to give me lunch to bring me lunch
0: oh and so
2: he was standing in the rain like what's going on (laughs) like i've I've been like you're like
0: feeling it having this moment with the the rain
2: and he's like what's wrong with this girl (laughs) are you okay yeah (laughs) i just remember running to him and just being like the most amazing thing just happened to me And it's just been that journey ever since. And I cry at every birth. I can't help it. Uh It's just such, it's a, it's a confirmation for me. I just know that I'm supposed to be in this space. And then now being able to incorporate the movement that I've learned as a dancer into expecting mothers and helping them to move through their body, move through emotions, move through grief has just been an honor. It's been, uh, it's been incredible to see how that's all fallen into place.
0: All right. As you guys know, we are, we are busy mums. We are dog mums, business mums, performance mums, school board mums. Life gets hectic. That's why we rely on our tried and tested go-tos to alleviate some of the chaos. NerdWallet helps you by maximizing your everyday spending, whether it's groceries for the week, drinks with friends, or a nice family meal. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving
1: on the table settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. I mean, come on, guys. Think of all the cash back that you're going to get on those kombuchas, on those frozen pizzas. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today that
0: future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cashback credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cashback? Uh, a silent meditation retreat in Peru, a sweat lodge in India, whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cashback credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare
1: and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. finance smarter. As with all credit cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply.
0: All right, guys, we are a couple of tired mamas and all we do is crave a spa day and we deserve it. We always end up putting ourselves down the very bottom of our to-do list. We jump from one activity to the next and we're always meeting the needs of everyone else around us. I think it is time for a little self-pampering. This Mother's Day, make every day a spa day for all the moms in your life with Osea's Mega Moisture Duo. It's a value pack of two luxurious body care moisturizers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion, both featuring Osea's signature, uplifting, all-natural citrusy scent. Can you speak a little bit more to that beautiful and profound work that you do? Because it's so unique and I think so many women navigate fear and it's something that we all, we intend to unpack before we move into giving birth, but sometimes life just gets away from you that you don't find the space to take a look at the trauma and so Mm. I know that you do this with dance and movement and music please talk a little bit more about that special work
2: absolutely so I mean it just started with me individually like I said I had gone through so much trauma in my own life just with my father and just different issues like that and I never went to therapy my siblings did but I found that dance was a way for me to heal that and Um, I loved just throughout my dance career, being able to work with live musicians, specifically African drummers. They use djembes, which is very sacred, and they would just drum. And I remember feeling as if the vibrations, anything energetically that I felt was negative, leaving my body as I just moved and danced and jumped and, and hollered. And I realized how connected we are to that in the birthing space. We have to be able to release completely And open completely right otherwise there's so many things that can set our birth back our our labor process back and tighten up and i've noticed that as we move through this so i'll meet with women and say okay what's going on with you let's talk about this it's a holistic Mm. approach and i'm spending an hour or two with you just working through your grief or working through a trauma you didn't realize you were dealing with and i always say that if you're not solving it before your labor, in labor, it will be revealed. It's always it going to come out. out. <laughs> it's always going to come out one way or another because you're in such a vulnerable state. And I mean, I'll, I'll probably share a little bit about my own labor experience, but I did notice that within myself, me thinking that I had released a lot from my body, but uh, mm. there were some things that were unearthed during my labor that um, I. I mean, I, I really feel ashamed of sometimes to think about, but I know it's not shame. It's just, I didn't know that trauma was stored just so deep in my womb. Our yeah. womb base yeah. is the creation source for us as women. That's where we birth ideas. We birth our businesses. We birth our babies. It's the creation source. So mm-hmm. we don't focus on that area. We store a lot of shame, trauma, guilt in that area as well. And it's not really transferred to our babies. We honestly store that within ourselves. And Mm -hmm. as we birth, um, depending on if that's been released or not, it can affect your labor and birth process. So that's something that I really like to focus on with my clients is just trying to talk about things that might've come up for them, dreams they might've had, how that can incorporate into your labor and birth process. We're putting on music, we're dancing at times and just Mm -hmm. releasing, we're doing our hip rolls and we're just starting to feel confident in this changing and growing body and helping you to feel more connected to this new form because we aren't in this form of pregnancy all the time. And especially for new mothers, that is very different. I know for myself, seeing myself expand and create all these marks. And I was like, wow, I've never seen myself in this state before. How do I feel comfortable here? And dance does that. It makes you, it communicates things you can't say. And you're able to start accepting a new form of yourself without shame. So Mm. I think it's just really beautiful. And I love being able to incorporate that any chance that I
0: Oh, Oh I love
1: that is so amazing. I, I actually took a dance class one time when I was like, five or six months pregnant with my first child because it was my friend's birthday Mm -hmm. and she was like I'm taking everybody to a dance class and I was like what kind of a dance class and she was like it's a hip-hop class and I was like dude I'm so pregnant like this is I'm gonna be like so it's gonna be so random that I'm in this dance (laughs) class with everyone and it was actually amazing because I felt so good it released all these endorphins and like at first I felt really silly, right? Trying to do this dance and I'm, I'm, I'm not like a dancer by any means. So I felt silly, but, um, but I actually, like, as you were talking about that, I was like, yeah, I get that. I connect to that because I remember afterwards just how in my body I felt yeah. um, after dancing and listening to music and just, like, letting go and 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 then getting past the part where I felt silly at first. Yeah, and then, or embarrassed. Yeah, or embarrassed. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's all these, like, young kids, and they're, like, doing hip-hop, and I'm, <laughs> like, the pregnant lady in yeah. the back being yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> um, but... It's, it's like so beautiful to hear you tell that story because, um, that work is, gosh, it's so needed. Mm -hmm. It is just so needed. I mean, there are so many women that, um, I've come into contact with that, you know, are working through trauma. I lost my dad when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, Esme. And I talked about that a lot on this podcast, but, um, while sharing that story, so many women wrote in and said like, I lost my mother when I was pregnant. I lost my father when I was pregnant, or I'm dealing with the loss of a sister or like whatever it is. And, um, we go through so much and we carry so much Mm. of that trauma and, and we don't you know and especially in america like I, I just don't feel like it's normalized to yeah. work through grief yeah. and to um find outlets for um that work and then also just how do we release it, honor it, let go of it. Um, And so the fact that you're teaching this and you're doing this with your clients and that your this is part of, you know, your midwifery care is unbelievable. And, um, and I think
2: it's just so important and so, Mm. so needed. Oh, I just wanna piggyback on what you said just about well, about you experiencing that dance class, feeling uncomfortable, awkward, embarrassed, right? Sometimes we feel that way in our birth journey when we're making certain sounds, right? Yes. Labor or yes. we feel awkward with maybe the third trimester. I feel really uncomfortable, right? And that's mm-hmm. kind yeah. of part of it. And I, I love that there are people, especially people who didn't grow up dancing, who are immersed in this because it teaches you to let go to not care about what other people think, to trust your own body. Yeah. Um, I love to do, you know, different seminars where I'm teaching people to trust, honestly, the person next to them who they may not know. They're a complete stranger. And now you're asked to, mm. to lift them. You know, that was, I think, so scary for me. Um, definitely in dance and improv, you would be thrown into a circle with someone and you're not sure what they're going to do. And mm. they could lift me at any moment or they could do something with me and I have no idea. And I just have to let go and trust them surrender trust myself and surrender and that's all that our birth experience is doing that's what the labor process is all about is surrendering right releasing opening trusting it all comes into play and then you'll notice that the women in late we we all do this it's it's primal it's natural for us to move we don't think about it but even just in conversation it's a dance of words and people don't think about it that way that we are always dancing we are always moving um, and the times that we stay still is when things start to build up in us right yeah. Fear and, and, and different things like that. I know that um, as a black woman birthing fear was a big part of yeah. why I felt there was some form of trauma with my birth experience just because I knew and you see the statistics, you know, of, yeah. of black women and how often we're dying in birth. And yes. or within the first year postpartum. And we carry that. I have friends who aren't even expecting yet who are very afraid to enter that journey because they don't want Mm -hmm. to be alone. And as a doula, my job is just to be able to, you know, execute your ideal birth experience, right? And to help you feel confident and informed and just support you. You know, I'm not birthing for you, but you know that I'm here. And though advocacy is a part of what I do, it's really hard when, I have to constantly be in the fight mode because yeah. those um, those desires of my clients are not being honored and I have to continually uh, go to bat for them, if that makes sense. Like we shouldn't have to do that in our birth experience. We should just be able to feel and release and open, but those fears are attached. So it becomes very difficult to do that.
0: And do you think... Um... When women are navigating that, is that because their caregivers are resistant to Mm. any form of doing things outside of the norm? Are there ways in which women can set themselves up for a more informed and harmonious birth? Even before they're pregnant or even in the first trimester, do you have ideas? Do you have tips to share with our listeners who are about to walk this path?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I mean, just being being able to listen to podcasts like this is very important just to get more information. Um, being able to, even if you aren't pregnant, uh, go to childbirth education classes just because certain terminology or things that you haven't heard before might be used during your birth experience, your birth journey. Um, meeting with a doula or having a doula in general will be really good for you to be able to navigate that experience while pregnant. A lot of doulas, you know, in their training understand different things that could be introduced during your labor and birth process. So for you to be able to understand that is really helpful. And then I would say learning to be comfortable in your body and it's complete and in, in it's entirely entirety, you know, um, embracing mm, yeah. who you are um, at the point in life that you are, because I think we're always like, well, especially in the culture nowadays of trying to strive to look a certain way or be a certain way or be that girl. Um, You know, there's this almost toxic culture of turning yourself into someone else instead of embracing yourself fully and diving deeper into that and what that looks like. And I think that journey doesn't end after you have a baby. I think you're continuing that. Ongoing. Yeah, it's an ongoing experience and your babies look at you and they see that as well and they kind of, um, they internalize that. And then I would say the last thing is surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded, who want to be able to know more about birth, about their bodies. Your environment really um, affects the way you see your birth experience. I know that That's true. there are people who just think, oh, well, this is what everybody else did. Everybody else went to the hospital, got cut, and then went home. And Mm -hmm. that's what I'm going to do too, not really knowing there are other options out there. Because if there are people who you surround yourself with, who are open to say, you know, uh, unmedicated birth and you might be feeling that, but then there's someone who's just like C-section all the day. I have it scheduled. It's going to be really yeah. hard to feel confident in that experience if you're around yeah. people who may view something different.
1: Yeah. I think, th- I think that's so such a wise words because, I do feel like with my very first um, child, when I went into the OBGYN that I was seeing at the time, I, um, you know, told her I want to have, and I was nervous to tell her this. So I already think my body knew that I was with the wrong person, but I was nervous and I was kind of sweaty and I was like, I really want to have a natural birth. Mm -hmm. And then she was like you know, kind of gave this look of like, hmm, interesting. Okay. You know, what do you mean by that? And I was like, I want an unmedicated birth. I want a labor, you know, and she, she was just like, yeah, you know, it just, she kind of brushed it off. And, you know, she kind of walked me through like whatever her normal reciting of what this was going to be. And I knew that I was in the wrong place, but I also you know, I'm from Kentucky originally. So I came out to LA. So this is kind of like Mm -hmm. all I knew here. And then I met someone who introduced me to a midwife. And then once I sat in front of the midwife, I was like, okay, this is where I belong. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing and Mm -hmm. how I'm supposed to be doing this. Um, And so I do think just you know, hearing people talk about it, like hearing you talk about it on this podcast, right? Like, then people can hear that and say, okay, maybe I should question like, I don't, you don't necessarily have to be going, you know, giving birth with the person that you've been seeing for your checkups, you know, or whatever that is. Like this, we have options here, which is nice. I mean, some have more options than others. It is depending upon where you live and what kind of city, you know, how big the city is and who's there, who are the birth workers. Um, but there are options. And um, and then you can ask a lot of questions.
0: I'm really curious about how this work played itself out in your own birth.
2: And if you wanted to
0: talk a little bit about your birth with beautiful Naomi, I'm sure it was really special.
2: It was. It was absolutely. It was an incredible experience. It was hard. Um, So a background, I have endometriosis, so it took a, a couple of years for us to um, for me to actually get pregnant. And it happened when I released and let go and stopped putting all this pressure and focus mm-hmm. on it because it was messing with my mind. And I was like, okay, I just need to have fun and release and it will happen when it happens. And of course, it happened like a month or two after that, which I was like, o-f- uh. that happened that way. Um, and so you hear
0: of that so often,
2: yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just being able to release it, it makes room, right? Like when you're releasing, it means that you're making room for something else to enter. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I learned that. And when I was pregnant with her, I, I got pregnant with her in December of 2020. And I had been living in Uganda with my husband at the time. And in January is when we found out, like, I took the test because it wasn't abnormal for me to have uh, missed or, you know, prolonged times between my periods. I was just assuming, oh, this is maybe normal, but eight days, then 12 days. I was like, maybe this isn't, maybe this is something else. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember going to um, one of my um, old mentors at the hospital where I, um, did my internship for midwifery I went to her and I was like can you give me a pregnancy test please like she was like yeah uh-huh. she, and she was so happy and of course like and you know Ugandan culture everyone's happy you're pregnant I mean that's what they were waiting for uh, <laughs> I feel like yes. I was engaged and they were like okay so when is the baby I'm like yeah yes. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we just we just met or you know so um uh, yeah. but yeah I found out I was pregnant and Then I got typhoid right after that. So I got extremely sick. I got extremely sick and I almost lost her just in the beginning. Just right in the beginning. And I was really scared. And at the same time, there was a lot of political unrest during the elections in Uganda. So they were like gas bombs going off right near our house. Oh my gosh. So I had to stay in, and a nurse had to come to me to give me IVs and everything to help me while I was wow. home but I got extremely sick and I was sick for maybe five months straight um wow. I wasn't gaining any weight apart from just uh. like a small belly that was growing but I started to realize it wasn't normal how sick I was getting mm-hmm. um because I wasn't able to I wasn't able to eat anything um I was having these weird fainting spells I was tired and um my husband was finally like I think you might need to to go back to the u.s and i was like no like i don't want to i want to be with you and for those that don't know we had a really tough time with my husband's visa so that's why i ended up living in uganda so i wasn't sure because i was like i don't want to have this baby by myself or without you so there was just a lot of fear already wrapped up in that of not knowing if he was going to be present but i did end up going back home to boston and i was with my mom and Just trying to send everything out into the universe. And please, please let him come here on time to see, you know, our baby be born. And uh, I went home in June of 2021. He came out right after in uh, July. And it was amazing. But we weren't sure what was going to happen with his visa. But he got it and was able to. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole story on its own. But he was able to get there on time and be present for me. (sighs) And how amazing. It was amazing. It was just it was it was meant to be. And so I gave birth to her in uh, Boston. And we didn't know if we were having a boy or girl or not. We just wanted to keep it a surprise. I just wanted to help you, baby. And my health had started to get better. I think just being home and being in my environment was definitely helpful. Um, and then, of course, just knowing our visa journey was over and he was in the States, yeah. like released so much pressure. How liberating. It was so liberating. But during that time, I hadn't really had any checkups because of all the political unrest, plus me not being able to leave the house. So I had all of my equipment as a student midwife and would just check myself and teach my oh. husband how to do my vitals. And I would record it in this journal that I still have. Oh, my and- <laughs> I would record everything. And that's kind of how I went through my whole pregnancy journey. Even when I was home, I knew I wanted to have a home birth. And my mom was petrified of that. She had been, she's been in the States for 30 years. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, she had us all in the hospital. All, uh, she had at least her children in the States she's had in the hospital. And she was like, I don't know about that. And just a lot of fear was being projected onto me. But I was like, yeah, no, I know what I want. This is, <laughs> you cannot tell me otherwise. You cannot convince me. I know too much. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, that definitely did help because I felt like I already knew what was going on with my body. So I didn't feel like I had to go in as much. I would go to get an occasional checkup here and there. And I had told them, oh, I want to have a home birth. And they're just like, oh my goodness, what is wrong with you? I mean, I remember this one OB was like, well, you're going to take my personal number because you're definitely going to be calling me. And I was like, wow, like that sucks, you know? Um, And so I remember finally um, getting tested for group B strep and I was positive and I was like, okay. And they're like, well, you have to come into the hospital now before you can push. And I was like, oh, dang it, I shouldn't have just, Take your probiotics. Everybody, sauerkraut, all that stuff. (laughs) That's my (laughs) advice. If I could could go over again, that's what I would have done. But um, that's how they got me to go into the hospital. But I was like, well, I'm going to labor at home as long as possible then. Mm -hmm. And I remember going in to see a midwife at the hospital about a week and a half before I went into labor. And um, because I was still shopping around to seeing where I wanted to give birth, I was going to give birth in the hospital. I was like, well, I want to go to this hospital with these midwives. And there's a saying, not all skin folk are kin folk, meaning that just because someone has a label of midwife or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean they follow the, you know, model. They could follow a medical model. And that was the case with this midwife that I went to see. And she was talking about how she wanted to induce me because she felt that the baby was smaller and I was like i don't really feel comfortable with that i feel like i'll just go into labor naturally and i had already had my own regimen same regimen i would put any any of my clients on so i just knew i was going to be able to go into labor without that and so i was like no i know i'll be able to to go into labor i don't feel comfortable being induced so then she's like well i can't support your care and i was like oh wow ah well i guess we're gonna just see what happens and a few days later Sure enough, I went into labor and wow. yeah, I went into labor on Monday. I had her on Thursday. um so I was in labor for about three days. With so her. wow. And did oh, you gosh.
0: have like prodromal label? Was it stop, start, stop, start?
2: It was on the second day Um, because yes. the first day it hit me like, I mean, it was coming strong. I lost my <sighs> mucus plug and that was it. As soon as wow. I lost my mucus plug. Um, The contractions just started coming and I was like, wow, okay, it's like really happening. (laughs) And my, my mom and my husband were present and that's kind of all I wanted, just a really small circle. Yeah. And um, I remember my mom's like, well, what do you want me to do? I was like, no, no, no. I've already given assignments beforehand, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like we'd already done all the meal prep. I was like, okay, go heat up my broth. I said, go get me my lemon water, you know, like, (laughs) We're not doing this. I already know what to do. (laughs) Like, you guys are not bringing this energy here. Like, everybody stay calm. So um, I remember it was hitting me really hard. And I was like, oh, I really want to go into the tub. So I went into the tub. But it was still pretty early. And so my labor stopped. Because I was so relaxed. Mm. I was just like... That's what happens sometimes. But I was so relaxed that it stopped my labor completely. So... The next day I had to ambulate a lot. So I was going like up and down stairs and uh, Uh, and curb
0: walking. Yeah,
2: I did the curb. I got
0: the video. I I saw a video of you doing it. (laughs) That was exactly
2: why it was because my labor had stopped and I had to keep it going again. So that's what I was doing. I was just doing curb walking. And I did that for like an hour and a half and then lots of rest. And it came back that night. I had contractions again and so what is with nighttime labor i feel like that happens everyone happened to me too everyone goes (laughs) to labor at night i feel like every time i'm getting a call around two or three in the morning oh that's right or oh i need you to come and i'm like okay this is it (laughs) and then by eight o'clock we have a baby roughly but yeah mostly at night and we sleep up with the moon and all these really beautiful things and I had done kind of my own, you know, rituals just to prepare for this labor process. And I just knew that day I knew I was going to go into labor. Everyone was quiet around me. I was in a really good meditative state. And I remember actually the night before having a dream about Naomi and (sighs) I could see her. I remember the room was white and um, I pulled her out. I caught her. So in real life, I actually did catch her. But in the dream, I caught her. And I remember looking at her face and she had that dimple here and she had her. blue uh, uh, oh. And I just remember holding her and she was smiling. And I kept that to myself. I actually haven't shared that with anyone because I just knew. And that's when I knew I was going to have a girl. I guess. And then I went into labor right after that. And so kind of fast forward now we're on day two or night two. And I just got a chair and sat in the shower because the water was just perfect for me. Oh, and it's amazing, isn't it's, it? it was it oh. saved me, I, especially for how long <laughs> I was in labor yeah. for. I was like, I'm just going to stay here. There's nothing else. Yeah. I and as soon as I would get out of the shower, I mean, it was just so much pressure. that I was like, I got to go back. I don't um, I, can. Shower. I
0: love the shower. Yeah. In my yeah. birth, Sarah, I kept saying to Sarah who was at my birth, yeah. I would hop in the shower on the birth ball and I was like, I just want to stay here forever. <laughs> can I stay here forever? This is the yeah. best thing in the world.
1: I have so many really funny videos of Teresa just being like, ah,
0: oh.
1: so like water <laughs> is just like flooding over her. And I'm just like <laughs> behind the camera like giggling, you know, because I'm just like it's the best. It's it's, it just relieves the pressure, doesn't it's it? It
2: does. It's a natural epidural. That's what we say is it's it's nature's epidural. And so, um, but I would say definitely you don't want to go in too early because it could stop your labor. So I always suggest showers are great because you still have the effect of the water on you, but you can still progress. So I just, I put a chair in the tub and then let the shower hit on my belly. And I was there Mm. for the rest of my labor. Like I just, I was there all night. I just fell asleep and let the water just hit me and it was wonderful. And uh, by the time I woke up, I was at a nine. I was at a wow. nine. I opened up at a nine. And wow. I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to do the tub. So my husband took the chair out of the tub and filled the water up. And I was on all hands, I was on all fours. And then he describes it as he saw like this cloud of water and it was my water breaking in the tub. And for those that, you know, typically in transition is when the water breaks, sometimes it can break beforehand. Um, Yes. But my water broke right as I was about to enter transition and those contractions were hitting me back to back (laughs) to back. And so I, intense at that point. I had never felt anything like it. I was like, "I'm yeah. going to actually die." This this baby phone. <laughs> <funky. laughs> <laughs> I remember telling Isaac, "I was like, I cannot move." And if you haven't seen a woman in transition before, it can look really scary. I mean, yeah, you yeah. Didn't go. I mean, into this demonic, rib- demonic <laughs> people go crazy. You're growling. I've seen a woman just growl and just be on all fours. <laughs> I mean, it's really. It can be a really intense if you don't, if you're not. Oh, using- yeah. Yeah. So My husband had never seen um, anyone in labor before. He usually, you know, he's from Uganda and women go, they come back with a baby. Like that's all he needs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he sees me in my transition phase and I told him beforehand it would look like this. But in the moment, he's like, oh, my goodness, something's wrong. And on top oh. of that, they, the hospital called, hey, just a reminder that you have group B streps. So you have to come in. And so my husband was like, I think we need to go to the hospital. And I was like, I can't move. Like I'm going to, I'm going to push this baby out. And they're like, I'm sorry, but they said that you have to have, I was like, no, I can go at postpartum. Like, it's fine. Yeah. And so they took me anyway. And I, looking back, I mean, I was on day three at this point. I was really dehydrated. um, Yeah. Extremely tired. So, I mean, I guess it was okay, but there were so many things that were done at the hospital that I didn't want. Um, And my husband kind of saw that firsthand. He's like, if I had known that they were going to push all these things that you didn't want onto you. Mm -hmm. So I remember us driving, it was only 10 minutes, but I mean, it felt like forever. And we get there and I just remember holding my mom's hand and like leaving her hand and looking back at her because she couldn't come with me um oh. because it was only one person one other person allowed yes because yes. of the pandemic yes yeah. and so um it was my husband that came with me and I hadn't been checked my whole labor I just knew I knew I was expanding I was recording my labor process and that journal that journal that I had I was oh my recording gosh oh. every time I had a contraction I would write like a little tally and then tell my mom to write the time so I had kept track of my whole my whole labor so I just gave him the book and I was like here's my book I know I'm out of <laughs> and I was like I need to push and they're like well let's just check you I was like no I don't want to be checked I'm I'm out of 10 yeah. so then this woman checks me anyway and oh, um, oh. 10. yes I'm out of 10 and she's like okay it's time to push it's time to have a baby but you can't push yeah. until you have the antibiotics and I'm like what what yeah, so apparently like it takes about 15 minutes for you to get the antibiotics for group B strep. It stress. does. Oh, it's so gosh. painful too. Did, was so it was a you It was it's so
1: painful. It is. Yes. I, it's it's uh, cuz I had it twice. I've had to do it twice mm-hmm. and it's penicillin like straight in your yes. arm or it feels they did like it on my fire. hand the yeah. last
2: time. Yeah, they'll do it on your hand. It was horrible. And I was like, well, can I at least receive it while I'm in the shower? The shower really works for me. But it was just so messy and them trying to get me in the shower. And at this point, oh. I mean, I'm just like banging my head against the wall because I just yeah, really you want to push. push. So I started. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: so hard to stop yourself from pushing when you've got the fetal ejection reflex. It's, yes. it's coming out.
2: How it's do you out? stop that? You don't. And I, I couldn't stop it. I just kept pushing anyway. And I remember them being like, well, she's pushing and she's not supposed to be pushing right now. I could hear them talking <sighs> and they're like, well, I think we need to give her something. And so I remember my what? husband just being like, she doesn't want anything. And they're like, well, she looks like she's in a lot of pain right now. You might have to step out. And I was like, no, please don't send my husband out. Like, just keep him here with me. And I mean, there were so many things that were confusing during that time yeah there isn't a lot that I remember I mean you're in a really vulnerable state at this point yes and so they did end up giving me an epidural which I didn't want but in the at end 10 centimeters dilated at 10 centimeters they gave me an epidural and I had maybe a few like an hour after that so I feel like it didn't what? really work but um yeah they gave it to me which That's was, so confusing. Really it was very confusing it was and they gave me the epidural and I was like, okay, well, this is what's happening and I need to accept it mm-hmm. because maybe there's oh, that's beautiful. that's not, that, that I'm not seeing. But I felt, mm-hmm. I just remember crying afterwards. They had given it to me and I was crying to my husband and my doula was on oh. the phone with me at this point. And I felt like a complete failure. I thought that I had failed had oh, a natural no. birth, but my doula was like well you got to 10 centimeters it's okay like yeah. you didn't need it you needed to rest you did it and I even now still feel like I don't accept that this is the first time I'm even saying that I had an epidural just because it's been so hard to come to terms with the fact that that happened mm. and I don't even really and it was pushed on why, you yeah it wasn't something I wanted so my husband was crying with me and he was just like it's okay why don't you just <sighs> rest and I was like, are they still going to take you away? Like, because I, I heard them saying, you need to step out of the room. Because he was trying to advocate Ugh. for me, saying that that's not what she yeah. Um, But they're like, well, you're making too much of a fuss. I think you need to step out. And I was like, please, oh, whatever keeps me. here. Whatever God. keeps me here. So I remember waking up. I felt I had fallen asleep at this point because at least I was able to get um, some sleep. Mm-hmm. And then um, I felt a lot of pressure in my spine and like my lower <sighs> bum area and I just knew I needed to push. So um I called in the midwife and I was like, hey, I need to push. And I remember she wouldn't come in for a while. And I was like, I need to push. And the nurses were there and they started to like hold my legs and things like that. My husband was on one side and nurse was on the other. And they're like, okay, start pushing. And I was like, where's the midwife? There's no one here. And I need someone to support my perineum, which as a midwife, it's really good to support you know, the birthing person's perineum to prevent tearing, you know, or minimize yeah. tearing. But she was nowhere to be found. But, oh, she's just doing some paperwork. She'll be right there. Why don't you start pushing? And I was like, What? I don't want to do that. So then they, she came over. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, um, because I was pushing so much, my cervix had swollen. The time before oh, the cervical lid, the time, lip. Yes. And so I had gone mm-hmm. back to like a seven and I was swollen. Like my cervix was really swollen. Oh.
0: So, so, don't you need a midwife to, or of the doctor to put their hand up and hold back
2: the cervical mm-hmm, lip so you can push past it? No one did that. Oh <gasps> my
0: gosh!
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's it, it's like one of those things where, at this point, I just wanted to see my baby. Um, mm-hmm, of course. You know, I didn't want to be in that space to begin with. I didn't know anyone there. I just remember the lights were so bright and there were all these faces and. Everyone was white, which is scary for someone who, mm. where you hear all these things of you not coming out of the hospital or whatever it may be. Yeah. That was extremely yeah. scary for me. Um, oh, that's it triggering. It is. It is. And I, I remember pushing, I only pushed for a few minutes um, just because I was like, okay, I know my pushing technique. I'm going to stick with it. They're like, no, mm. bear down and hold your breath. And I was like, no, I'm going to, you know, do the small <laughs> blows, like, you know, when the baby's crowning. Yes. And they're like, no, you're, you're wasting yeah. all your energy. Doggy pants. Yes. And I was like, no, I need to doggy pat. I need to do this. And they're like, okay. And I didn't tear. Thank goodness. Because oh, I was able well to do that. And I just did <laughs> myself and just walked out everyone else. And something yeah. we say in my, in my culture, in a lot of different cultures is go and get your baby. So like every time yeah. you have attraction, it's as almost, you go into this space and you grab your baby's soul and bring them earth side. Yeah. So that's when every surge would come over me, that's where I would go is into that spirit realm and go and get my baby's soul. And I'm bringing her closer Aww. closer. So I remember so every time cute. I felt a wave coming over me, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and get my baby. And I remember the head being uh. torn. It was very easy. Like I didn't feel um, it was too much pressure for me. I felt everything, no. yeah. but it was, it was like I was able to bring my myself- no- That space. There
0: was no like ring of fire. Didn't feel the burn. Probably because of the breath.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Using that that breath breath. technique. Back to my whole breath technique. I didn't. I mean, they were kept saying, "No, you have to do it this way." And I just remember blocking everybody out and just trusting my my breathing technique, my pushing technique. And I was like, "I'm going to stick with this. I know this works." And the head was born. And then I remember them saying, "Okay, the head's born." And I just reached down. And didn't move. I pulled her out. I pulled her out and put her on top of my chest, Aww. and I just held her. Ugh. And I didn't even look at her. And, and I was like, "Okay, it's a baby girl." And then my husband looks, and he's like, "Oh, it's a baby girl." I'm like, "Yeah." Aww. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What? When you were saying that, even though I know you were coming up against so many challenges and. In the moment, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's beautiful because – the way you were able to stay in your place and trust and give over and surrender and just keep her little soul in your mind. And it became this dance between you and her and you were able to block out all the noise Mm -hmm. and the distraction around you. Like that is so beautiful that you were able to do that despite what was happening around you.
2: Yeah, Thank you. I really appreciate that. I feel like it was definitely a difficult situation for both my husband and I, um, The times that I was feeling most of those contractions when I first entered the hospital, I was letting out screams I never let out before, Um, you know, and it was like a roar. I felt like the walls were shaking and it was kind of empowering. I thought it was beautiful. I didn't know that I could do that, that I could make those kinds of sounds. And Mm. I was like, oh, she's loud. And I'm like, damn right I'm loud because I'm feeling (laughs) everything. And that's okay. But they took her away shortly after I wanted delayed cord clamping and they cut the cord right away. they're like, oh, we need to bring the baby over here. And I was like, well, skin to skin really helps to regulate the baby's temperature. And I remember them taking the baby away for about an hour or so. Like I didn't, oh my gosh. yeah, I, I didn't know where she was. And I had asked for them to do like the newborn exam or for us to have the golden hour, which is just an hour with me, the baby and, and, and my husband. And we didn't get that. And then I remember them bringing her back to me. And then we were on our way to the postpartum floor. And some nurses were like, oh my goodness, we heard about your baby. Her eyes are so beautiful. And I, mind you, I haven't even really gotten a chance to see her. And wow. um, yeah. And so they had taken her. And I don't know what happened. And then I just remember being over there and being like, okay, well, everyone's gotten to take a look at this, at my baby, but me. And, um, <sighs> I knew I wanted her close, but that didn't happen either. So at that point, I was just ready to leave. They kept me for 24 hours, which I was mm. like, okay, fine, just to observe me and make sure I was okay. And then I left after that. And I was like, okay, like, I'm just leaving that part behind. And it comes back later, of course, right? You have to come to terms with your mm-hmm. birth experience. Yeah, and your birth like and any trauma. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of trauma wrapped in that, that I didn't allow myself to experience because I just wanted to have a healthy baby. And of course, everyone around is right. just be happy your baby's here. And I was like, ah, that's the last thing I want to hear right now. But I did do my 40 right. days. I did, I you know, I did my 40 days postpartum. And I feel like oh. that was uncomfortable for the women that were around me because they're working, you know, and single mothers or whatever it may be. So this idea of rest and nourishment and rejuvenation isn't really practiced. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so they're like, why aren't you looking for a job? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And I was like, I want to rest. I want to be with my baby. I think this is a period that I can do that in. And there will be a season of working later. There will be a season of this later. But I'm supposed to just be with my baby right now. And I want to trust that. Mm. So that definitely ruffled a few feathers in my postpartum of just being able to slow down and rest. And I think even mentally, I had to force myself to do that yes and allow myself to be okay in that resting nourishment state if that yeah because sense. it's wow. just not
1: it's not something that we um you know really honor here mm-hmm. and it's something that you know we as people who are obsessed with the birth world <laughs> like yeah. Teresa and i know that that's really important hey. um and we talk about it but um but it, it, it should be something that culturally that we honor and it should be this time that's like, you know, so important to rest, to be in bed, like to just be able to connect with your baby and spend that time and skin to skin. Your birth story is so powerful and beautiful. And thank you for sharing all of that with us because Parts of it are so infuriating for me, like listening to how somebody is like almost, you know, forcing you to do these things that you don't want to do. And it's such a vulnerable time. And you think about like, you know, if it wasn't during the pandemic and if you could have had more people in there, like, you know, could you have been, could they have been more voices for you? And, you know, there's just like, there's so many things. If you had a a doctor or a midwife who was like, Mm -hmm. you know, a little rogue and like, was like, no, we're not doing that. Or we're not doing that. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's like, there's, there's all these elements. But yet, as I'm listening to you tell the story, and as I'm getting mad for you in the story, Mm -hmm. I'm also understanding that this, all of, you know, this that happened, and I'm, is, is something that I think, for you and the work that you're doing, like, you know, you're, I'm sure now carrying this story and and understanding at such a deep level Mm -hmm. that there, even though this this is something that you've been training in and that you've been learning and you've seen all of these births and this is a work that you want to be a part of, like, you understand that people get in there and then get forced to do things that they don't want to do and seeing it firsthand. And I've seen it with family members of mine. I've seen it with friends of mine where they come back and they seem shell-shocked because they're like, I don't know. Like when you're in that state and transition, you don't, you aren't really able to Mm -hmm. formulate like logical sentences and say like, you know, and then and then afterwards, you're like, wait, what happened yeah, exactly? Yeah.
2: You know, and people use fear. They use they use those things that scare you the most. Well, it could be you could be injuring you or your baby. This could be wrong. with Yes, your baby. that's right. And so the, I remember that being tossed around and just igniting more oh. fear within me as well. And oh, I think that's just, it's not fair. And I think a first time. Mother
0: is particularly vulnerable to that because people can come out at it from the perspective of, like, well, you don't know what birth is. And this is what happens. And this is what we've experienced. And of course, I remember when I had my home birth transfer with my first son, I got to the hospital and I was like, I guess I just, I do have to push on my back Mm -hmm. and I do need to have the Pitocin. And like, Mm -hmm. if they had told me at the time, you need an epidural now, I was also 10 centimeters dilated when I got to the hospital. I, I probably would have been like, I have to do that because there could be something wrong with the baby. And I, I remember you're just so vulnerable and it's your first experience. And, you know, yeah. there's something about your story that will be such a gift oh to other God. women that you work with to Agreed. be able to say, here, this is my experience and let yeah. me help you set yeah. yourself up for success in a situation in case this happens to you too. Absolutely. So. That is, um, gosh, what a beautiful story! Thank you. Um, thank I'm you. so thank moved you. by it. Oh,
2: thank you.
1: Yeah, I um, we both love this uh, doula, Anna, pa- Anna Paula Marquel, and yeah. I think there was this moment when I was listening to her I went to a a doula training program that she did and I just had my baby and I just wanted to like learn more you know about Mm -hmm. the birth world and I was fascinated by it and I loved her so much because she was such a you know, profound part of my birth experience and, and how I was able to push my baby out at the very end. Like she was in my ear and Mm -hmm. I, she sounded like to me in my mind, she sounded like this lioness in my ear, like telling me like, reach down and just push that baby, you know, but really she was so quiet, you know, Teresa was there. And it was Mm -hmm. like this beautiful moment that really like I, as you were telling the story about you know, go and get your baby. Like, I feel like in that moment, that was a moment where she had basically said those words in another way, where it was just like, you need to go in there and you need to, it's been too long. You need to do this now. And so that was the moment where I took like everything else and like pushed that baby out. But Anna Paula talks about her own birth experiences. Yeah. She had four children, and each birth experience was completely different. Yeah. She had a home birth. She had a hospital birth. She had an, uh, a C-section birth. She had birth with an epidural. I mean, and that to me was fascinating because, um, I was, you know, I so blown away by all of the stories that she tells, mm-hmm. but the fact that she had four completely different births mm-hmm. and they happened in such different ways. And the fact that, you know, she had, a oh, the other thing was that she had a back. So she had a vaginal mm-hmm. birth after cesarean section. Wow. And so um, I think one of the reasons is what I'm getting to is that she is such an unbelievable teacher and doula and person that you can connect with in that world is because what she has gone through in her life and this and the birth experience that she's had and the ones that she's been present for those have all Taught her so much, but also brought her to a place where when you're sitting across from her as a new mom and you're listening to her stories, you go, Yeah, that's the person that I want yes. to be the soul mm-hmm. next to me that mm-hmm. guides me through this next part of my journey. And you know, your story I'm I have so many goosebumps listening to your story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just feel like you are like to. To honor that birth experience and to be, and to have gratitude around this baby and this experience that you had, your story will touch so many lives and it will, Mm. you know, bring people into a place where they go. Yeah, I, not only do I want to work with you, like birth
0: with you. Excuse me. I was like, I it, this whole like, time so, she's been talking. I'm like, right. You know, where does Cheryl live? I was oh like, God. if she
1: lives in Boston, still. Like, I guess I'm where gosh. am I having my next
0: baby? No, I, I was this whole time. You. I have been thinking, like, oh, I'm having Cheryl for my next birth. Oh,
2: my goodness. I, <laughs> I would know. absolutely love that. And we'll chant and we'll dance and do all the beautiful oh things. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm sure
0: we're not the only people people feeling like this as well <laughs> so you have to
2: you I have know. to tell listeners how they can yes, find you yes. and work with you yeah so i i do have an instagram it's called hey cheryl and it's h-e-y-y dot cheryl and um i also have a tiktok which is super fun i just started that it's kind of an intimidating space but it's been a good outlet yes. <laughs> <laughs> <So> <laughs> in general i'm like oh Um, so yeah, usually typically people will just, you know, send me a message there. I also have, a website um it's called hey midwife and you can book a consult there as well but yeah and um, Cheryl and I have been trying to put yeah. together a <laughs>
0: workshop a dancing <gasps> movement trauma really healing yeah, workshop yeah. with me Sarah Cheryl we want uh, to do it in Los Angeles yeah. it'll, because I got this um this job and I'm shooting in Australia it'll probably be next year but we're gonna wonderful. make it happen we have to and so yes when this episode comes out hopefully we'll have some firm dates and people can sign up for that That and join us
1: incredible also would just
0: love like i i could do in another
1: hour i have so many questions for you um but just listening to you speak and 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 uh, I feel like, you know, we could do a whole thing where we have you speak to everyone and oh. have you do movement with everyone. And I, know. I mean, that is just amazing. You're incredible. And you're such an inspiration. And um, and your, you know, first birth experience that you were witness mm-hmm. to, it made me cry. I was just oh, listening same. to you at the I beginning and I had like tears in my eyes and I was like, this is this is just one of those moments in life where you really feel this connection to Mm -hmm. the other Mm -hmm. side it's like you're sitting here and you you know realize your purpose and you realize why you're here and what life affirming yeah yeah, life affirm it's like such a life affirming moment you're so right it
2: it doesn't happen with a lot I mean usually that doesn't typically happen right we don't get downloads of That magnitude, but I think now seeing myself in this world and the people I've been able to accompany as they've been on their birth journey or fertility journey, it's been really humbling. Um, And I think even for myself now in postpartum, I'm just rediscovering who I am as Cheryl now, right? After I've been experiencing the passage of birth and my child passing through me and um, entering kind of these higher levels of myself and accepting that and feeling free in that. So, I mean, it would be amazing for us to be able to move through everything because I think since, especially, I mean, we had such a huge energy shift with the pandemic, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yes, there's it, it changed our whole entire outlook on life. We were forced to be in our feminine energy to slow down, to stop and to create and birth anew and i think with that came a lot of different you know different traumas that were attached to our bodies mm-hmm. that we've been storing and so I feel like there's so many people craving to just move and release and let go, Yes. you know, so it would be so wonderful to be in that space. With we all. are going to do it. We we're, doing it. We're, we're, we're doing, doing it. We're doing it. It's um, happening.
0: <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Cheryl, You're for welcome. gifting us with your time and your energy <sighs> and your presence. You are just beautiful. Thank you you really um, are. And,
1: and you guys can find us um, on Spotify. Apple podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts, you've been listening to the mother days and we, um, we're so honored to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for, for joining us today.
0: Yay. Thank you. Thanks Daisy. Thanks Cheryl.
2: <laughs>
1: when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do,